And this, again, I know whenever somebody says that, a sense of panic goes over and says, did I remember the homework? Do I know the homework? And we, we were talking about the part of the Lord's Prayer that talks about how we want God's will to be done in or on. Regardless, uh, we, we were talking, what, what a great way to remember where, where this teaching on the Lord's Prayer is in Matthew by, by thinking about 610. Uh, to know where that is. But, but what were some of the things that came to your mind this week? Th- oh, by the way, this is the audience participation part of our, our, our sermon this morning. So what are, what are some of the things that as you prayed, your will be done in or on as it is in heaven? Well, first, what were some of the things that, that the Lord brought to your mind this week? His goodness. His goodness came to mind. What else? Yeah, his omnipotence came to mind. Yeah, thinking about that first part of that prayer, his goodness, his omnipotence. What else? What came to your mind? Yeah, faithfulness, okay. Order out of chaos. You must have had a chaotic week. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Yeah, it's talking about your will be done in on politics as it is in heaven would certainly be a, a wonderful thing to, uh, to consider. What else? Yeah. Right thing? Yeah, that we would be doing the right place at the right time, doing the right thing. Yeah. What about, uh, for me, uh, it seemed like this week I was, during that, during that window, I kept thinking, hmm, you know, my kids... You know, they're a little older now, and as some of you who have older kids know, it seems like you pray more for them when they're older than maybe when they're younger, because you've realized how little control you actually have anymore over, uh, over those kind of things. I found myself in that, in that window praying for, praying for my kids. What else? Your will be done in maybe your marriage as it is in heaven. Lord, may your will be done in... In your family, as it is in heaven, Lord, your will be done in in insurance companies, <laughs> as it is in heaven. Yep, totally appropriate. Yep, that's well within that. What else, Lord? May your will be done in in America, as it is in heaven. Yeah, may your will be done in. In, in living as missionaries and reaching out as it is in heaven. Yeah, this, this prayer that Jesus is teaching us here is really incredible, isn't it? Because it does start with who God is. And it's wonderful that those of you who talked about his omnipotence, his faithfulness, his goodness, that, that yeah, that's where this prayer begins. And if you were with us last week, you remember that we said that it's, it's who it's who that is so critically important in who we pray to. That if, if we're the who, then things get turned around really, really messy. And that's really what I want us to talk about this morning, is thinking about what is it that we actually pray for? What, what can we pray for? All of us uh, hopefully had an opportunity to think about some of these things and pray through these this week. But I do think for, uh, for most of us, it is a challenge to ask ourselves the question, what am I allowed to pray for? I mean, the beautiful prayer that Chris led us in from Valley of Vision 
uh, might be one of those that if you have Valley of Vision, you want to go back and reread a couple times because it was the honesty that sometimes you and I don't even know what to pray for. And sometimes we feel like we pray for the wrong things with the wrong motives and the wrong intentions. And that is so, so important for us to always remember. I guess I was thinking sometimes we mistake prayer for the genie in the bottle kind of thing where we're going to get three wishes and maybe we think we can go to God with our, our three wishes and he's going to give us the, the three things that we, that we want. But again, that might be getting the prayer out of order. It is so interesting in this sample prayer that he gave his disciples that he starts with who he is and his kingdom principles And then he moves it to the area of petition. What is it that we pray for? What is it that we ask for? In in light of who he is, what is it that that we we pray for? And that's what I want us to focus on this morning. So if you would open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. We're again going to look at this passage. The, remember, the context of this is a, is a caution. It's, it's a warning. It's a warning against maybe people who were doing their righteous activities, their religious things, to be seen by others. I mean, that's the warning. So whether he's talking about giving or praying or fasting, the, the teaching context of this is don't do this to be seen by others. Do this with a sense of sincerity, with a directness and a straightforwardness to God. And and last week we said, let's look at the who we are praying to, this this correcting orientation of wanting to start with with who God is. So if you would follow along with me, we're going to look again at verses 9 down through 13. It says, pray like this, Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Let's pray together. God, what a gift your word is. What a gift it is that we can come to you and acknowledge you as Father. God, thank you. Thank you for the privilege of worship. Thank you for the gift of your word. God, our deepest desire today is to be transformed by your word and your spirit. Help us to to read and to understand and apply your word rightly today that it might bring about transformation. Change the way we think, change the way we feel, change the way we respond to a watching world. God, what a privilege it is to gather in your name. Help us as we apply this scripture to our lives. In your heavenly name, amen. In this passage, I think there's, there's maybe two main headings and, and three things under that heading that I feel like Jesus is teaching them about what to pray for. Again, we've already talked about who to pray to and what we want the umbrella to be as his kingdom principles for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. But now he's moving the disciples into a way to think about what are the things that we should be praying for? What are the things that we should be, be praying that God would, would act and move in our lives? And he gives three things. And one is, is very interesting. The, the first one is this idea in verse 11 of the food that we need. Uh, some of your translations talk about the idea of, of daily bread. I think that's where this translation puts the need there as well too. But it's a reminder to pray for our physical needs. Now, here's the funny thing. Most of you don't have to be reminded to pray for your physical needs. 
In most cases, these are the things that we often pray for. We do pray for things like our physical needs to be provided for, and hopefully always with a sense of gratitude. But, but where we can get turned around sometimes is in when we're praying for what we want as opposed to what God would have. And this is why I think it's important that this passage comes following the idea of it's God's kingdom that is coming and it's his will that will be done. Even the idea of daily bread. Again, this translation's made that food we need. The acknowledgement of the things that we not, not praying out of a sense of greed, which might be where we kind of get in trouble sometimes, is, is we don't pray for reliable transportation. We pray for the car that we've always dreamed of. Uh, maybe it's a situation where we don't, we don't pray just to have our financial needs met. We pray for this incredible financial abundance. And what Jesus is teaching them here is a sense of physical dependence on who he is. So whether it's daily bread or or the food we need, there's an awareness for you and I that you and I do not call our own shots. You and I are completely dependent on God for even the most basic things in our lives. This is often easy for us to forget when things are going well. When things are going well for you, you are not necessarily thinking about daily bread. You're not always thinking about having your financial needs met because you've got money in the bank, or maybe you've got a 401k3brira, right? You've you've got that sense of security. You're not feeling a sense of urgency and need. But the prayer that God is leading us to here begins with the acknowledgement of our deep dependence on him. That the ability to be here this morning was a combination of wonderful gifts of God for you. The ability to physically be here is a tremendous gift of God that we don't ever want to take for granted. And I think this call for our daily food, our daily bread, is another reminder about how critical we need God for the most basic physical things in our lives. Our our physical health, the ability to care for us and to, to care for others. All of these things demonstrate our deep dependence. I know sometimes we feel like all of our prayers are related to our health, and those aren't bad things to pray for. It's not wrong to pray for our health and and someone else's health, but we want to do those in the context of God's kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Sometimes I can get messed around and distorted in that and feel like, well, I'm going to pray for my financial needs, my physical needs, and the health of myself and others based on what I want, as opposed to what helps develop a deep abiding presence in Christ. Maybe that's the the purpose of this kind of prayer, is am I praying for these things in such a way that I'm demonstrating this deep dependence on the revealed character of God? It's interesting, one of the things that's included in this passage we haven't talked about is the idea of fasting. I think fasting is an incredible opportunity for the lives of believers. But I I take a different sort of perspective on it that I'll share with you. I know sometimes we feel like fasting is just the denial of something. 
Uh, maybe it's, it's something really good or, or however you view it, just the, the, the abstaining from food or uh, we f- often have felt like maybe the, um, the greater picture of fasting for us today might not be food, it might be your phone. Uh, that it might take more uh, commitment to, to fast from your phone or from social media than it actually does from food. But, but regardless, I, I feel like one of the role, goals in fasting that gets missed in the denial of something is the looking forward and the longing to celebrating. And I feel like when, when, when we fast, we should think about the longing for the joy that comes from God then instead of just seeing fasting as a denial of all the good things, but to see it as a great place of anticipation, to long for his goodness, to long for his kingdom to come soon. Let me tell you how this worked out in my own life. Uh, I did a a 24-hour fast, and throughout that fast, I kept thinking about how I was going to celebrate the end of that fast. So instead of always thinking about, oh, I got to suffer, I got to deny myself, I have to suffer, I thought, oh God, I want to enjoy the goodness of you. I, want to en- I long for the day when you make all things new, and I look forward with anticipation to the end of this fast when I enjoy the goodness of who you are in your fullness. And for me, that happened to be cherry crumb pie a la mode. I'm just saying, that's what was on my heart and mind as I was fasting during that period of time was, God, I, you know, I don't want to break fast with soup and saltine crackers. I want to break fast, focus on the goodness and the glory of God. Some of you are thinking you probably got sick after that much sugar. I was fine. Thank you. (laughs) But it's a reminder of this dependence But it's not a sense of dependence on a God. And we're going to talk about this beginning next week as we start to look at some parables of Jesus. It's not dependent on a God who just wants you to barely get by, who wants you to experience a life of soup and saltines. This is a God who has abundant joy for us. And his character is going to be revealed to. So when we talk about give us today the food that we need, we recognize we have such a good and glorious God who provides so many incredible things for us. Again, even the passage that that Chris pointed us to later on in this chapter about not not worrying about food or clothing or those kind of things, but seeking first the kingdom, I feel like this call to, to give us today our daily bread is a call to put those kingdom things first and trusting the very good character of God to provide for the basic needs that I have, whether they be physical, financial, health, or otherwise. But it is interesting when we think about them in the context of your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we, we recognize that there's a, there's a shift that begins to take place here between what our physical needs are and what maybe our deeper spiritual needs are. And this is something to think about even as we think about what we pray for. Yes, it's wonderful to pray for our physical needs to be met, not in a sense of greed, but just as a continual reminder of our deep dependence. But then he follows this up with the most urgent spiritual need that you and I have. The most urgent need that could come to any of us on this earth is that we would be forgiven of our sins. He, he says the second thing in here that we should be 
praying and thankful for, as much as we're thankful for the physical needs, it's for the spiritual benefit of the forgiveness of our sins. If it's not for that, we have, it doesn't matter anymore. Nothing else matters apart from the forgiveness of our sins that comes through what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross. It doesn't matter how much food that we have, even if it's cherry crumb a la mode, right? I'm just saying it doesn't matter anymore if we have not been forgiven of our sins by putting our faith and trust in Christ. So this, this first and foremost of these these spiritual, these spiritual needs that are celebrated in this forgiveness of sins reminds us of that. Likewise, though, it immediately goes from our relationship with God in the forgiveness of our sins to the relationship that you and I have with each other in our willingness to forgive the sins of, of each other. Now, it's interesting to me because in the parallel passage in Luke, Uh, the word sins is used. Most of you in your translations have the word debts in this particular passage. And the beauty of the word debts is it shows us the very real cost of our sin. I think sometimes we can talk about sin as if, oh, it's, well, of course I sinned. But debts remind us that there is a real cost and a real debt to be paid in relationship to our sin. So the use of the word debts here, some of you might have grown up with the word trespasses in here as well too, thinking about people entering your yard uh, uh, without permission, right? Those are words that we don't typically use, but they still show us that there is a real cost to our sin that must be accounted for. we, We don't assume that Jesus is here talking about financial debts, but he's giving them a financial picture of the real cost associated with our sins. He tells us that we as believers, as we pray, are forgiven and there should, therefore should be forgiving as well too. Later on in this gospel in Matthew 18, one of the most beautiful pictures, a parable Jesus gives of the unmerciful servant points again to the reality that we of all people, those who've experienced the forgiveness of our own sin, our own debts, our own trespasses, we are the ones who are most called to be forgiving of others as well too. Forgiven people forgive people. Because the reality is we recognize how much that we have been forgiven. So so this call for to forgive us our debts, our sins, as we have forgiven the debts and sins of others is an incredible reminder for us of the spiritual needs that we have. Beyond just physical, we want to pray for spiritual needs as well too. I think we want to always keep those in mind. If all of our prayers are only physical, we're never really addressing what our real spiritual needs are. If all of our prayers are only spiritual, we're never acknowledging our absolute dependence on God for the physical things that he provides. Both of these things are incredibly important to keep in mind. That we would pray that God would use the physical to point to the spiritual, and he would use the spiritual to remind us of the physical. We pray that these would go hand in hand as we're figuring out what should we pray for, and how should we approach God, and And how do we keep from turning God into this genie where we want three wishes from, but really seeing that our prayer is a response 
to who he is and what he is doing in our lives, both in our physical dependence and our spiritual dependence as well too. And that's where this next one goes as well too. We're still in the spiritual dependence here, but in verse 13, he says, and don't let us yield to temptation. I like the way I like the way this translation handles that because I think the other way can be very confusing for us. Most translations, or if you've ever memorized this prayer, talks about how lead us not into temptation. And I think there's some concern there to ask ourselves, does God lead us into temptation? I think that can be confusing for people. But when we take it apart and look at other passages, we recognize things like uh, James 1, 13 through 15, that when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Temptation comes from us. Temptation comes from our own evil, sinful desires. God does not lead us into those temptations. Even thinking about how we handle temptation, maybe some of you are familiar with 1 Corinthians 10, 13, about how we won't, God won't allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. I think sometimes we have misapplied that verse and, and said, well, God's never going to give you anything that you can't handle. Well, that's not at all what that passage is saying. It's dealing specifically with temptation and how we respond to temptation. And he does tell us he will always provide a way out of temptation. And perhaps that's where Jesus is going with this. Even, even one, uh, uh, one well-known uh, 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 pastor teacher, Craig Blomberg, says perhaps the best way to translate this verse is do not bring us into temptation. Don't let us yield to it. It's a picture to show us that the power to resist temptation comes from God. It's not that he leads us into temptation, but it's the reminder that you and I can't resist temptation based on our own self-discipline, based on our own commitment to, 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 to work harder, that the power to resist temptation comes from God and, and God alone. That's why we celebrate it, and that's why we pray for it here. That's why it's given to us in this example to refocus how we even think about temptation to know God will protect us from temptation. He won't allow us to, to give in. He will always give us a way out, as 1 Corinthians 10, 13 reminds us. He is the one who will rescue us from the evil one. It's pointing back to his power, his authority, his control, not anything based on my own strength and my own ability, but on his. So verse 13 isn't about God bringing me into temptation. Verse 13 is about how I depend on God's strength to resist temptation. And that's what I want to pray for. I want to pray that God would help me fight the temptations that I'm going to experience. The temptations I struggle with every single day. I want to pray that I will remember that God goes before me and he will fight this temptation with me and he will always give me a way out of this temptation. He will always help me walk through this. He will always rescue me from this when I depend on him completely. See, this, that's what this prayer is, isn't it? 
It's a prayer to depend on God completely. It starts with the acknowledgement of why we do that. Because he alone is God, reorients us. And then in the three things that it asks us to pray for, whether it's our physical need of food, whether it's our spiritual need of the forgiveness of sin, or whether it's the spiritual need of resisting temptation, this prayer reminds us of our absolute and total dependence on him for all those things. That's what we're asking for. We're asking for his divine guidance and grace to not only meet our physical needs, which he already does, but to give him thanks for the way he continually meets our physical needs to help us live in a way that we uh, uh, live in his forgiveness and give his forgiveness to others, and we're also protected from temptation. Nowhere in here can I find, I, I looked hard, nowhere in here can I find for your favorite sports team to win whatever championship they're hoping to win. Uh, nowhere in here can I find anything related to lottery numbers, whether they're the three number, the four number, or the six, or the Powerball, right? Nowhere in here can I find these things for us to pray for. But this template of prayer that, that Jesus gives us here does speak to our most immediate and necessary physical and spiritual needs. Our daily bread. Forgiveness the ability to forgive others and resisting temptation. Now, as we think about those kind of prayers this week, I would still really encourage us, if you've been, if you've been praying every day at, at 610, I, I, I pray that you'll continue to do that. But, but what I'd love for us to try this week, we've, we, we've worked through a couple things these past couple weeks. We first started thinking about having a regular time of prayer and writing out a prayer. Last week, we started talking about what are the things I could pray for, for God's will to be done. In. And this week, I would encourage you to make a prayer list, to, to, to make a list of things that you're praying for. And there's a wonderful uh, little book called Time Well Spent. There's a couple copies of it back on the rack if you're interested in it. It's basically a little book on how to have a quiet time. Um, how to have time alone with the Lord. It's, it's, it's a wonderful guide. Um, if you have mastered the quiet time, this is a wonderful gift to somebody else. If you're still struggling with figuring out what do I even mean by a quiet time, this is a wonderful little book. Again, you know I like it because it's got less than uh, 80 pages in it. And uh, it's, it's, it's a wonderful guide that you can give to somebody or you can take a look at yourself to, to do that. And, and one of the things he recommends in there is for our quiet times to have a prayer list. Because a prayer list honestly will keep us from our bad memories. Uh, there's a lot of times we think of things that we would like to pray for, but unless we write them down, we often forget. So a prayer list protects us from our bad memories. It also will give you focus when you do pray. You might come to this time of prayer and you think, okay, now what, uh, what was I going to pray for? And uh, before my mind starts to wander, I can look at my prayer list and go, yeah, these are the people that I wanted to pray for today and this is how I wanted to do that. One of the, one of the other little fun things I found over the years is um, from, uh, from Team Missions, uh, they even had just a weekly prayer guide for their missionaries to pray for every day. So, so Sunday, they're praying about their relationship with God. Uh, for Monday, they're praying for their ministry vision. For Tuesday, they're praying for their ministry effectiveness. 
For Wednesday, they're praying for their, praying for their family life. For Thursday, they're praying for their health. Friday, they're praying, praying for cultural adjustment. And Saturday, they're praying for their relationships. Well, that, what a wonderful even reminder for us as we try to live as missionaries in our communities with our neighbors, that we would have a similar sort of, of, of prayer list that we would think through as well too. So it, it, it helps us stay organized. It helps us stay focused. It, 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 it keeps us aware of, 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 of what we've wanted to pray for. And thirdly, though, it keeps us thankful. Because as we're praying through this list and as we're reminded on these particular days, it's bringing to mind ways that we have seen God work and answer those prayers as well. too. So I want to, again, encourage you, if if you're used to 610, don't change it. If you're used to that 610 time, but I would encourage you this week, as you think about that time, think about making a list of the people the situations that, that God brings to mind for you to pray for. Those of you who are part of this church family, I, I pray that you've got a church directory. There is nothing more wonderful for you to use as a prayer list than your church directory. Uh, if you don't have one, let us know. We'll make sure you get one. But even if you just took two or three pages a day during this daily prayer time and just prayed for the people and the faces and the circumstances that you see, even thinking about maybe as you go for a walk around your neighborhood, maybe the homes that you know, or maybe the homes that you don't know. Or maybe if you work in one of these big buildings with lots of cubicles and you roam around and you think of the folks who are sitting in those cubicles, that they would become a part of this daily prayer time for you that you would write down and, and keep a list. That, that, that would be my biggest encouragement for you today because this is such good news. Jesus gives us instructions on what to pray for. Again, he doesn't just tell you to go figure it out and make sure you get it right. He is teaching us as his disciples how to pray, beginning with him, acknowledging him, getting reoriented to the who. Because of what Christ has done for us on the cross, we even have the opportunity to pray through his word and through his spirit that we can come before him on a regular basis and give these prayers to him. So this week, look back at this prayer and think about making a prayer list of the people and situation, just so we can improve our memories, we can assist in our focus, and we can always remember to be thankful by doing that through our, our regular time. I want to conclude our time just by uh, praying uh, the Lord's Prayer as a sample. Again, in the back of this book, it, it just recommends kind of a guided prayer through the Lord's Prayer. And I just want that to be our prayer as we close our time this morning thinking about how, how, how do we ask for prayer? What, what do we go to? And, and, and all of these together. So if you would, would you pray with me as we, as we pray through the Lord's Prayer together? Our Father who art in heaven, Thank you, Lord, that we can indeed call you Father. In you we find our true identity, our sense of value and belonging. You are our provider and our protector. You dwell in heaven, yet you care for us here on earth. May your name be kept holy. You are the great eternal God, who is worthy of all honor and praise. 
Therefore, may my life today bring you joy and may everything I do and say be honoring to your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, may your kingdom values be evident in my own life as well as that of my family. I pray for wise and God-honoring decisions to be taken by the leaders of our country. I pray that your glorious kingdom will continue to extend throughout the world as you bring more people to a saving knowledge of your son, Jesus. Help us to be ready for that day when you return and your kingdom will come with power and glory. Give us this day our daily bread. Lord, I thank you for the spiritual and material comforts that you have blessed me with. I thank you for the daily provision of everything that I need to live and thrive. Every good gift is from you, and I thank you for them all. Forgive us our sins. Lord, forgive me. As we forgive those who have sinned against us, Lord, I forgive them. Help me not to hold a grudge. Lead us not into temptation. Lord, guard my heart from straying away from you and give me strength to avoid acting upon any unhelpful thoughts. Deliver us from evil. Lord, preserve me from the evils of this world and grant me the discernment to know your will and your ways. May I trust you to deliver me from my enemy's schemes. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Lord, help me to keep living my life in light of eternity. Whatever I face, may I never lose sight of your sovereignty in all situations. Keep my heart focused on the glorious day when Christ will return and make all things new. In your glorious name, amen.